0: Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this episode, Eric Foss at GatorCountry.com will join me as we will Malik Grady. Malik uh, has been running a amazing Twitter feed of Florida's Transfer Portal talk. Targets. He will talk Transfer Portal with us. So we hope you guys enjoy the show. Lots to do, even though the basketball season is behind us. Um, thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. We are also joined tonight by our boy, Malik Grady, the master of the portal, the splinter of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the the godfather of portal knowledge. Um, I don't know. I got nothing else, but that's, that's what we're going with. Malik, man, what's up? It's good to have you. It's been a little bit.
1: Oh, uh, It's great to, to be with you guys. You know, I, I love the show. I only wish it was on more often <laughs> somehow, uh, kind of like uh, you know, these locked on Gators things. But uh, every episode is a treasure. You guys are treasures. Um, <laughs> I know some people get, get mean with you sometimes when, when they're frustrated with the teams. But it's nice to see the passion for basketball and you guys giving the goods every
2: time. Thank you so much Malik. It's so good to have you on. You're one of the original listeners, I think. And you're also one of those kind like one of those guys that like I don't really remember when we first talked. Like I don't remember when we, you know, kind of met. Just like as as long as I've been, you know, caring about Gators basketball and been on Twitter, you have been there, Malik. So, I know you're one of the initial listeners to the podcast, so that's great. So, it's a uh, it's good to come full circle and have you on again. It is. It
0: is. And I got I got my uh Evening libation here in my my goat mug. Danny Werfel honoring the goat. Greatest quarter Florida quarterback of all time. I said what I said. Four-time SEC champion. How many did Tebow win as a starter? One. Don't cry about it like Timmy, though. Um, so, we're coming out hot tonight. Uh, and speaking of hot news, Colin Castleton has decided to return for his – uh senior season. I guess he was a senior this year, whatever. Um super senior season, Colin Castleton. Obviously, an enormous win for Todd Golden. Something we teased a little bit on the la- on the last podcast, Eric. Um, that you know, it was possible that he may just value the college experience and think, hey, there's a pathway for me to to make some NIL money and and get back uh and work on some things playing a lot of minutes and to me or the with the political situation in Europe wherever he might have landed over there so your thoughts on uh, on that news obviously kind of changes expectations even just on Twitter you know we know how rational Gators Twitter is and we saw um obviously immediately rational takes about Florida's ceiling now that 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 all SEC center is coming back
2: Well, I think too, you even saw some of the, uh, some of the betting markets put up a whole bunch of pieces too. And, uh, some people were jumping on, you know, Florida future odds, if you're, you know, so if you're into that, um, uh, you can get them in at a pretty good number right now, I think, but, uh, uh, it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I was definitely one who uh, said I didn't think he'd be back. I also didn't think he was going to be back last summer. So I'm off with you on the Castleton predictions. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting too to see, like, especially on like I'll say the Gator Country forums, which like it's always interesting to see like this subculture of like what like gators twitter is like even from between like this kind of subgroup of gators twitter to this group and then you see like on this different forum and then you see like on the gator country forums and like i'm sure gators basketball facebook is a wild wild place that i've never ventured to but i'm sure that has its own subculture but uh i've got to say like on the gator country boards there's a whole lot of people who don't love the nil they don't love the transfer portal they dream of basketball like it was in a a a decade ago and you know like that's that's their opinion for sure. And there's definitely some negatives that have to do with Nil. But I, I would say, like, the fact of the matter is like one positive thing for the Gators and for college basketball on a whole is if Nil didn't exist, I, I think there's no chance we see Colin Castleton back. And, and if people are like, you know, you think that we're using this just as an example to be pro NIL because it's pro Florida. I'll also say, Hey, I think it was great for college basketball when Hunter Dickinson went back to, uh, to Michigan and he openly said, Hey, I would not be here if not for NIL. And I, I do think, you know, we can, I guess, argue to what extent that, that played a role. Um, I think we can hopefully all agree at least played, you know, some significant part of the role. So I, I do think this is one of the great parts about, about modern college basketball about NIL is, um, we and the rest of college basketball gets to see Colin Castellan come back.
1: Yeah, and what's nice about it is that I don't think it's something where it's like you come back just because of the NIL, but it allows you to level the playing field so you can make decisions for you, yourself, and your family without saying, okay, I can go here and actually have some conversation or I can go here and ham and egg it like a normal college student with ramen and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. or I can actually maybe have some level of being in college for four years and living like a star on some level, that kind of thing. So it's funny, I never took Castleton out of my projected lineup for next year. Part of it being that the way that uh, college basketball and the NBA prospects work is that once you hit your second, maybe your third year out of high school, your stock or how the NBA views you often calcifies. Doesn't really matter how much better you get from that point. So if you went to all-American status or added things to your game, the NBA is like, well, we already decided about you. You can come, but this is where we've decided to pick you or not pick you. So I don't think that wherever how they think of Colin Castleton right now is the same way they thought of him last year. So even if he adds like stat- all America status, not all-SEC status, and hits some jumpers, he's still likely, to my opinion, not going to be drafted because you don't draft a center five years. Out of high school, no matter how good they are, you let them prove themselves in a camp in G League and that kind of thing. So and in that path, I think he has actually a nice path to possibly make the pros with skills and all those things like that. So it's it's just really exciting to have him come back, have the team be able to embrace him. And we just I just saw Chandler Parsons in his story, you know, congratulate um Colin Castleton. It's been interesting to see him kind of reach out and be much more part of the transfer portal. And recruiting and we can obviously talk about that going forward too
0: yeah i mean look i think uh i don't know if I, I i kind of i guess i was sort of in between where where uh you and eric were like i hadn't ruled out the possibility that he would return um but i i'll tell you this i certainly thought there was a better chance he'd come back this year than last year for one I mean, I don't think – I think age-wise he was never going to get drafted anyway. I mean, it wouldn't have mattered this year or next year. He was still going to be 22, 23-year-old, one of those two that's not going to hit a jump shot from the outside and that wasn't so dominant, an interior player that, you know, it didn't really matter uh, to anybody. Um, So I think that was certainly part of the calculation. And then I I agree that, you know, in a world where there is an IL – You know, maybe that's not the only reason that that Colin returned. Um, I think it'd be kind of silly to say that's the only reason. But I definitely think that in a world without NIL, he has a whole different set of conversation with the people he trusts the most, like Malik was saying. So it's wonderful that they have that opportunity, these players now, um, to get compensation that they deserve, that they earn. Um, And then that they can make decisions for them. You know, I mean, Colin's a guy who, who isn't set to graduate quite yet. So, um, you know, he gets a degree on top of all of that. Uh, I think that's, that's also pretty spectacular. And then from Florida, from a basketball standpoint, I think we should, um, you know, obviously talk about that. I I think, um, it, it solves some problems. We're going to get into the other problems they need to address. That's why we got Malik here. Um, but, it does, I think, open up some of the things that Kevin Hobe is going to want to do offensively a little bit more, Eric. Uh, at least from the the Princeton offense standpoint, to have uh, a center
2: that is an effective post player. Yeah, I think the basketball fit was a pretty like that. That is one thing, like for Florida versus other teams trying to keep their fringe NBA guys at home like I, I do think Florida's basketball fit was a pretty good selling point in that you've got both what San Francisco was doing and uh what Richmond is doing and uh all their their kind of and stuff it all requires a center that can really pass the ball it requires the center to have the ball in their hands uh requires the center to have the ball out like near the perimeter where some threes can be shot so like in terms of everything that castleton would would want um from a basketball standpoint for this year in terms of everything he would want for opportunities to get better skill wise and 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 maybe prove what he can do at the pro level uh like florida's system like if it's what we're all assuming it's 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 going to be it, it is a perfect kind of selling point to a center like and, and one thing too which is maybe an indication as to why florida we, we maybe, or someone like me should have been a little bit more confident that, that Casson was coming back, was just looking at Florida's, you know, recruiting board here for tr- grad transfers. They were not going after a lot of centers. So that probably showed some confidence in, um, in bringing him back. But even if they were kind of recruiting a center, it'd be like, Hey, all these coaches can tell you all they want about, you know, like how you're going to be used, but look at how San Francisco played, look at how Richmond played. And this is the offense we're going to use, like, go look for yourselves. There's like, let's, let's make no mistake about it. These, these centers are a, a key, key point. And, Also, I mean, I I kind of doubt that Todd Golden would say this, but what he could say was like, hey, you know how you got the ball thrown to you in traffic and got doubled and triple teamed while no one moved around you and gave you an outlet and then people, you know, yelled at you for turning the ball over. Um, <laughs> like that's not going to happen in our offense. So that would be another sell that, that one could use. Um, I, I kind of doubt it would be phrased that way. But uh, it, yeah, it's a it's a center focused offense. The Gators needed that guy. Uh, it's a great sell. And, and I think it's going to be pretty easy for Castleton to see a situation where he's going to be, you know, one of college basketball's best players.
1: And it's interesting. We obviously talk about how he's going to fit in offensively. And it's kind of curious that With Todd Golden, we've talked a lot about the offense. But he's the guy who was the defensive coordinator at San Francisco before he ascended to the top job. And I think that's more important to him than a lot of people think. Obviously, for selling points, for the press conference, the offense is what's going to sell. We have an offensive coordinator. But the centers that, that they were going after, they were going after some really good centers in the portal I'm sure they were telling them this is contingent on if Castleton leaves. So it's kind of a slow play, but we want to make contact, that kind of thing. But the reason why Golden went and spoke to Castleton first, as Castleton said, he went and met with his parents and sold them on coming back as well, is because this is an all SEC level defensive center. A guy you can funnel guys to, a guy who's, you know, he's not necessarily great in space, but he's a guy who's has shown to be able to be an anchor of an, an SEC defense. Some of the other transfer guys coming from mid-major places, you, you would have had to project that and hope for that. And you look at other guys kind of having that big lit wingspan. So I think he can be the anchor of whatever Kyle Golden wants to do. As you said, that he has often three ways that he wants to cover a pick and roll, whether he wants to ice, whether he wants to drop, whether he wants to blitz, all those different things. He can do all those things with Castleton. Obviously, you want to teach them how to do it, but I think he's got to be very excited for having the anchor to what his defense is going to be. Obviously, he has some other pieces to put in place, but it seems to be coming around.
0: Now, Eric, what what kind of coach would just throw it in to Colin Castleton with him triple teamed and nobody – I mean, in what universe would <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> I hope – what's going to be so funny is, like, people are going to screenshot this video and be like, see – Mike White, Stan, Neil Blackman. I knew it. Oh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be.
2: This going. one. This is gonna be one of those things that like needs to get fact checked because someone's gonna be like, "Here's Neil Blackman from 2019," and uh, there's gonna need to be like, uh, "What are the? What are those like Twitter like? This has been you know <laughs> independently, but." Yeah, Malik, I think you just kind of like alluded to maybe a conversation we had over DM or something because I was tweeting out how San Francisco actually does guard pick and rolls in a number of different ways. They were um, aggressively hedging sometimes and then they were aggressively dropping other times. And um, I, I know that you tweeted or messaged me or something and other people too were just like, Oh man, like like teams, teams do this. Like they're able to play more than one pick and roll defense. And like, I I didn't really want to be rude, especially at the timing, but it's like, yeah, no, this is how like most teams operate where you're able to play multiple pick and roll defenses, which especially when like, it's one of those things too, where you talk to various coaches at various high levels of basketball and you say, um, like, Hey, you're playing a really good pick and roll guard. What's the number one thing you want to do to try to slow down this guard. Almost every single one of them will say, well, you want to change the look. that was that was not the case at Florida where they only really guarded pick and rolls one way and I'm I, I know there was a little bit of subtlety to the ways that they 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 influenced the ball but like generally speaking it was a big man getting up to touch stringing out those pick and rolls and putting yourself in you know some difficult situations at the time in the back end so I, I do think that that's one thing that is pretty great about Todd Golden and his defense is that Florida is not going to play one pick and roll and and ride or die with that they'll they'll I, I'm certain they will guard pick and rolls in a different way, and to do that, you need someone as as mobile as Colin Castleton to be able to hedge hard when you want when you want it, and like you want someone who's going to have that length and that rim protection ability when dropping, and um, that's going to be something from a schematic standpoint that I'm like really interested in because like last year when we we're talking on the podcast, it's just like, well, how is Florida's pick and roll defense that we know what they're going to do. How is that going to work against Scottie Pippen today after it didn't work the last two games? And that was kind of the podcast discussion. Now it's going to be like, hey, how are they going to guard pick and rolls? Are they going to double tag this one? Are they going to ice these? Like, are they going to down these ball screens? Like, we'll actually be able to like, you know, <laughs> see some really different strategies and it's going to be good. But it all really hinges on um, on a center like Colin Castleton. I mean, we can get into it as well. But also it shows you that Florida is going to be able to cater to, a hey, Jason Jatobo's in the game. This is how we need to guard pick and rolls. Oh, we're going CJ Felder at the five. This is how we want to guard pick and rolls. Like, um, yeah, that's I, – I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent away from Colin Castleton there, but um, definitely what you were talking about, Malik, just like um, in a pick and roll world, um, to have a big-time pick and roll defender, that's pretty huge.
1: And it was interesting how um, <laughs> some of the uh, arguments and conversations I was getting into with, with my, my basketball friends suddenly shifted to how important and should – the importance of the backup center now coming to play and how, so to go from who are we going to have at center of Calston leaves to suddenly being able to worry about the 10 minutes per game that he's not in is definitely a welcome <laughs> change. I mean, in terms of a void for your, for your basketball team. Yeah. I
0: mean, obviously uh, a welcome change anytime you can bring, Most years we're talking about Florida having already lost their like first team All SEC player before any basketball is played. It seems like of late, and so now to bring one back is uh, is awfully encouraging. I will say in in terms of the meeting with the parents, um, that you know Golden and the staff. I mean, full credit to them. They hit the ground running. They um, have met with four different parents' families now um, in person uh, and told it's going to get up to five so uh that is just really awesome um you know to to meet with in particular three potential starters and their families within a couple weeks of of being at florida uh and then to convince one of them to come back obviously the 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 grizzled vet colin Castleton and kind of an emotional centerpiece to the team obviously um, I think from, from the leadership standpoint, you know, somebody that everybody really looks up to. Uh, and I think that'll be good for somebody like Wasey when we talk intangibles, just a little bit, just because, you know, I do think we saw some angry Wacy dunks and we saw that he wasn't afraid to lead like on the court, but if he can defer to a vet like Cassiton in the locker room and just focus on his basketball, sometimes that's really good for a young star player. So, um, you know, I think all positives, uh, on, on that front, we did bring in Malik Grady to, uh, discuss the portal because is roster now, um, starting to take shape and nobody has really done, uh, not even really, nobody has done a better job of kind of monitoring this whole situation than Malik. Like I said, uh, certainly the godfather of the transfer porter, the splinter, uh, to my Michelangelo and Eric's Donatello. Sorry, dude. If if you wanted Raphael or the other guy, that's fine. I I don't, I just, those are the first two that came to my head. Um, You know, so Malik, you've been killing it. What's on tap? I know they just had a huge, they had a huge weekend with Alex Fudge in and um, with the kid that committed Will Richard, we'll get to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, who else was here? Somebody was here. Uh, So three visitors, another, visitor in a couple of weeks, maybe a cario kinda visit, maybe not. Um that's kind of up in the air something we need to talk about. But first, thank you for what you're doing because it's it's way more work uh, than than I've been willing to do and, and certainly uh we all appreciate it. Well it's it's funny
1: um around the SEC and in Florida the top couple of sports are football, basketball, spring football, and recruiting. Like recruiting is huge. And for basketball, it's always been – the news has always been faint, especially for the SEC and for, for for where we are. Maybe when you're up in the Northeast in these big schools, they get lots of people recovering it, but here it's always sparse and you don't find out about a, a commit till a day or two before. You're like, there's no fun in that. But with the transfer portal, I feel like there's so many leaks because people are in the portal. You have the team that's recruiting the, that that's, they're leaving – you have the player themselves. You have maybe their handlers. You have each of the teams that are talking to them, and then you have all, so you have much more news coming out. So when when this when Todd Golden started contacting people, and I saw guys like Jake Weingarten putting out news, I was like, oh, let me put it together a list. Then suddenly people started saying, hey, what's going on? And I, I felt the responsibility to keep it going. <laughs> so it's almost like a it's out of my control where I have to do it, but it, somehow it kind of does its own work for you sometimes. So it's very rewarding to actually be able to see it coming into focus. And what I've liked the most for Todd Golden is the process has been sound. You know that we need a certain amount of point guards. I mean, a, a wing, we need these different positions. And you'll see one, two, three players, all highly ranked, all with certain physical measurements, certain analytical measurements in the portal. You'll see a guy come off the board and then you'll see another guy Pop up on the board right afterwards, so it's just the process is sound now whether it works out or not, that's not irrelevant, but that's kind of secondary to the process being sound. So even if a guy doesn't commit or you miss someone, there are other guys laying in wait that you've already been talking to. I don't think that was the way it was before before it seemed like they focused on a few guys and gave them the hard press and either got them or didn't get them and they maybe had to scramble so it's just it's nice to see that. So what I think's ahead for us this weekend, we obviously had Terry Roberts. We had Alex Fudge and we had uh, Will Richard visiting other ones we know about. <laughs> um, we got the, the commitment from Will Richard, Terry Roberts put out a nice um, photo shoot of what he, his visit. We're hoping he kind of pops that kind of thing, but he's obviously visiting other places possibly. And then we wait on Alex Fudge who, depending on who you talk to, it's imminent or we're waiting or what's going to happen. But, uh, and again, with Alex Fledge, it was something where it was completely quiet. No one knew until someone said, Hey, I think I see Alex Fledge at the baseball game. <laughs> and suddenly, you know, you start hearing all these other things. And then Chandler Parsons, like, Oh, yeah, here's a picture for you. And we're like, Wow, this is really possibly happening. So it's just exciting to see what's going to happen. It's kind of quieted down now because we kind of know who the main targets seem to be and maybe who the guys behind them are if, if they don't commit. And now we're just kind of waiting and seeing, but it's nice to have those uh, mystery presents under the tree. And you're hoping that when you open them, you know, they're what you
2: want. So that's kind of where we are at the moment, I think. Yeah, Malik, you are doing the Lord's work. Uh, Again, if people aren't following Malik, like he is like so much better than I am to follow transfer stuff. So much better than Neil, so much better than anyone. Like Malik is the one-stop shop for, for transfer news. And the other thing too is like, I really don't think that like the, the market is what it is. Like there's going to be a lot more players to still enter the portal. There was a a bunch of really good players to hit the portal today. And and I think there's like, there's still coaching changes to be made. There's still guys that are sticking around some mid-major situations to be like, Hey, who, like, who's my coach going to be able to bring into play with me? Oh, they missed on their targets. Okay. Like, you know, I I gave them a chance, but now I'm going, so I still think like more names are coming. So we could have something kind of um, ramp up, but uh, like you said too about like the process malik and what florida is looking at like that's one thing too that I, I think that the previous staff maybe missed out on is like like basketball is a game of markets and it, it, like right now the inefficiency are like big wings that can score um we we kind of know that every time that like we're we're looking for like what are their what or i shouldn't say market inefficiency where where there is not enough supply to meet demand um and Everyone needs these big wings who can score. And uh, that's why, you know, we'll talk Will Richard in a sec. I'll throw that to you, Malik. But then um, with Alex Fudge, that's why a lot of people are interested in Alex Fudge. But I do feel like in past years, Florida went very quickly early after guys who were landlocked at shooting guard because they weren't big enough to play the three or four and they didn't handle the ball or run pick and rolls. And some of those guys were, were good players in a vacuum. Don't get me wrong, but there is like, there's no deeper position than shooting guard in in college basketball, like guys who cannot play, really play the wing guys who cannot play point guard, but are like, you know, six foot three guys who can shoot a little bit and, and score a little bit like that is by far and away like that is where the most supply is. So when it comes to like seeing Florida's targets, like to see them go at Will Richards so aggressively so quickly, that makes sense to me. There's not a lot of wings out there that can shoot like that um, to, to, to go after Alex fudge. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of guys that are six foot eight long athletic top 50 recruits. Like, so that's one thing I really like about the process is that you're seeing like, okay, college basketball is a market. The transfer portal is a market. There is not a lot of these players on the, uh, out there there's a whole lot of shooting guards if we decide we want shooting guards that can't play the point we can circle back and get one later uh we're going at what we really need so um that's something i really like about the process so i'm glad you brought that up malik but um i would uh, i would love for you to kind of introduce uh uh the player that that florida did get the commitment from um they didn't let him leave town without it so that's pretty cool about their about their, uh, their cell job there um but will richard what can you uh, say about him malik
1: well and the other thing that's it's been nice is that because the because the transfer portal combined with the free waiver, is that you're not limited to guys who are graduate transfers, or maybe the the off guy that maybe is graduate but has a year or two left, like when Cam Johnson transferred, it's guys that can be coming off their freshman year or their sophomore year and have a couple of years ago, and that's where Will Richard comes in. Um, he had a great freshman year. Word is that maybe he was uh lost in the shuffle during. The COVID times was maybe under recruited, went to a good situation in Belmont, but he's a guy who measures at six foot five, has as much of a five, five and a half plus wingspan, meaning his wingspan is six, ten and a half. Uh, he also, as Eric noted to me, played quite a bit of power forward at Belmont, but I was also a guy who you watch on film. He does have, to me, those guard skills where he's, he has the ball in his hands here, he can shoot, he can pass and handle the things that, um, Todd Golden is said that he wants, but also beyond that, analytically, he's a guy who has a pretty low turnover rate, a pretty nice assist rate, a nice offensive rebound rate. So all those little things that we know that uh, Jonathan Sapphire, the analytics head for Golden, is making sure that the team has enough of each uh, thing stacked, a certain amount of rebounding, a certain level of passing, a certain amount of, amount of ball handling. So he fits so many of those things and has that, has that versatility. He's obviously, he's not a point guard, but when you look back to, to me, Jamario, was it Bouye with San Francisco, he was a guy who was, had the ball in his hands and, and could do things with it and be could be a lead guard at times because of that. And I'm hoping that's something that maybe maybe Richard can do because you don't really have a backup point guard situation, but it's the guys that are comfortable with the ball in their hands, comfortable putting the ball in the basket, swinging it around, that kind of thing. Um, he had quite a bit of attention. A lot of play. He put, you know, a number of schools on his list, but he immediately got a visit set up for Florida. Um, it's it just a, a win all around because they obviously did it the right way. It's a guy that fits what they want physically and analytically, because when you look at, you know, having those kind of wings in the SEC, that's what you need to win. A guy that can kind of go up and down the lineup defensively and offensively, and it's someone that should fit in nicely with. Kwasi Reeves. Um, My understanding is that, you know, Kwasi Reeves is the one who hosted him on his visit and that there was some knowledge about each other from both being from Georgia and um, they understand that they can play together. And I think that's important too. And I I just want to point out that with this transfer portal things, there are some emotions involved that when you're bringing in new guys and guys are remaining, and when you bring in a guy that's at a position or might be taking playing time from someone, that's a delicate situation that an any coach, but especially a new coach and staff, has to handle delicately. There might be families involved and that kind of thing as well. So to be able to navigate all that and so far have it look nice where obviously uh, Will Richards spoke nicely of Kowasi and come in, it's just a nice way to start that first week, and especially to have it happen quickly. It could have dragged on for a couple of weeks. He could have visited. He wasn't highly recruited out of high school. I'm thinking a lot of these guys are going to want to have visits all over the country if they can, but to say, Hey, listen, I'm shutting it down. I'm coming here. I'm not sure when I'm coming to Gainesville, but this is the place I'm putting it on Instagram. I'm putting on pictures (laughs) and and getting it done. So it's kind of
0: exciting on a a number of levels. Yeah, it is exciting. I think, um, I mean, it's a lot to unpack between what the two of you said, you know, as a player physical, physical, uh, I think big time upside defensively when you watch him um, reads the game well reactive guy that's gonna with has a six ten wingspan so he's gonna be able to get out in the passing lanes I think and, and disrupt some things which um, you know I, I noticed San Francisco likes to deny ball reversals um, some they do a bunch of things defensively but that's something that they've certainly emphasized in West Coast Conference play. Um, so I think he, he fits in schematically for them as a defender too, whether it's the two or he's spelling time at the one for whoever they bring in as a point guard. We'll get to that. Um, not an elite three point shooter at 31%. Um, that's fine. That's like a, that's a Missouri three point average, right? It's the show me state of three point averages. Like you can't just leave the guy open. Um, but he's not going to wipe you out from out there. What, what intrigued me so much, I think, I don't know if it was Malik that, that sent me a DM about this or someone else, but uh, 61% on his uh, two-point field goal percentage. Uh, That was third in the Ohio Valley. Um, And I think on the last podcast, I threw that stat at Eric, and Eric was a bit stunned. But since since Chandler Parsons left Florida, uh, the Gators have had a total of three players that finished a season over 60% uh, as a two-point percentage field goal shooter. Um, that didn't play center, right? So a wing, basically, um, and those players were Devin Robinson, Keontae Johnson, and Casey Prather, uh, who, an NBA player, a first-team All SEC player, and an All-American. Um, so I mean, Will Richard, I mean that's, uh, I mean, and I give I give Keontae the preseason All-American credit because I don't think that if he if he plays the whole season, I'm convinced he Is an all American. Um, All you have to do is watch the first like four games he played before the the tragedy and you know, what's up. But um, so, I mean, that's, that's something, especially when you're going to bring back a guy in Niles lane who can attack a closeout. Uh, You know, that Wasey is going to figure out how to more consistently attack a closeout. And suddenly you have three SEC caliber wings um, on your roster you could make an argument that Florida had one All SEC caliber ring, wing on their roster in the last couple of years. Absolutely, not All SEC just.
1: <laughs> and and it's interesting um, having this type of uh, I don't know I don't want to say NBA wing size, but that that is kind of where it is a six five six ten wingspan. Um, I recently actually just earlier last night. I became co-host of the Close-Up Magic with a friend of mine. It's an Orlando Magic podcast, so we <laughs> follow a lot of different NBA things. So I have a friend of mine, uh, Richard Stamen, who's Mavs drafts on- online, and um, he was telling me some things about real Richard and kind of that, that size. But also you look at guy like Sam Vicini, who's a top uh, NBA draft analyst. He went out of his way to say, oh, I see Florida got – Will Richard, I've been eyeing him. He does this, he does that. Some intriguing things that we saw. Um, Simon Rath, who covers uh the draft for the Atlanta Hawks, had some cut-ups that he had done in December noticing Will Richard's game and stuff. And also a number of them had noticed Terry Roberts and those kind of guys that were going after here and there. So it's just uh nice to be to be nice to be noticed, <laughs> you know, when it comes to SEC, maybe NBA caliber, at least size-wise wings and, and that kind of thing and hopefully it it bodes well and of course you know we can talk about alex fudge as well That he's obviously that kind of athletic freak but it's just nice to have that kind of changing of the guard uh hopefully you know one down and um hopefully a few more to go
0: well i think that's part of the like eric um eric and i've talked about the just this idea of roster construction and the whole point, I think you put it really well, Malik. So your future in podcasting is bright because you succinctly mentioned that process matters. And um, it really does. Right. And so like when you look at Arkansas uh, and you look at what must has done and must does this without running any offense. And Eric and I will, will die on that Hill. Um, and I'm not, I'm not even worried about it. They don't run anything, um, but it doesn't matter that much because, you get a Stanley Amude from Wichita State. Uh you get uh or South Dakota, I think. Sorry. Uh Trey Wade from Wichita State. Um you get uh who's the other dude that they brought in that, that was better than those two guys? Um six six, six six, six seven. Where am I at here?
1: They brought Noah Gurley in, but he didn't play much, right? Without Alabama, right? I get them confused.
0: (laughs) We're at Arkansas still. So, yeah. Oh, Adi's Tony, right, who became, like, their best defender, 6'6", from Pittsburgh, just a monster defensively. Like, So when when Mus hit the portal, like, he had an idea of what he wanted to do, which was prevent the other team from scoring the basketball, um, to use a phrase I hate. And then it doesn't necessarily matter if he's, like, all right, we're going to live and die on whether or not J.D. No take cooks and Jalen Williams is as good as I think he is. And guess what? Jalen Williams was as good as Musk thought he was. And most of the time, J.D. No take So they were fine, uh, even though they don't run anything. Um, Ty Golden with Kevin Upday, they're going to run stuff. All right. So I'm not saying they're going to be Arkansas level defensively, but they're going to run stuff. Uh, so this is nice to see like an idea of roster construction and that leads me to Alex Fudge, uh, which we can start with Eric, I guess on Alex Fudge and just kind of what he would offer, because I think uh, they've got some diligence stuff they want to do um, with Alex, all these LSU transfers, people are doing due diligence stuff. Shoot. Even Xavier Pinson is getting the, the yellow flag at places right now. So, um, you know, I think there is something to that, but certainly Florida, could use another front court
2: piece. I I just think there would be no situation on any roster situation in the country where I wouldn't take like a six foot eight shot making athletic top 50 recruit. Like, I, I mean, not barring (laughs) any, barring any due diligence problems, but like, again, I would like, CJ Felder is someone who we were pretty high on thought he was going to really change the kind of complexion of this team. Wasn't able to, wasn't able to play. Um, He was pretty durable in his first two years. So I'm not quite ready to label him as, you know, injury prone or whatever, but the the fact of the matter is like as currently constructed, um, we'll see if they add someone else in the front court. Um, The the Gators still have at least some eggs in the basket of Jason Jatobo, who hasn't been healthy since, whatever his junior year of high school or sophomore year of high school uh something like that um and then cj felder who wasn't really able to play a single minute of healthy basketball last season i i don't think so at least we 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 remember that missed dunk in the the opening game of the season um so i, I don't think he was ever healthy. so again just like in terms of even like you know do the gators need some more front court pieces i would just say like the Florida got in trouble ha- banking on Gorzak Gack and Dante Bassett, who were never healthy. Being like, oh well, maybe they are coming healthy this year. So, uh, Isaiah Stokes, same deal. Um, I just wouldn't want to have that situation and um, again. So you know, I'm op- I'm hoping Felder's healthy, but I- again, just like Alex Fudge, someone who could play some three, I think, but is probably best off at the four, kind of in that Devin Robinson mold. Um, I- I- is and again, it's one of those things too, where like. There's just so many games last year where Florida was going into these SEC games, and you just saw the lineups that they were rolling out. And particularly on the perimeter, you can kind of add in the four spot in some scenarios. It was just like, you know, Florida looked like a Conference USA team in terms of athleticism and length going up against you know sec nba talent and it's just one of those things where it'd be like well it'd be really nice to go out there with niles lane and kawesi reeves and alex fudge and will richard and like all guys that you feel like can compete from an <laughs> athleticism and and lake standpoint and um i i also do really like that uh, it seems like molden <laughs> really understands that so so that's pretty big so um but yeah with alex fudge i, I it's like yeah it's, didn't didn't end up playing a whole bunch in non-conference play or sorry in conference play, but you actually see he was someone who uh who played a lot in non-conference. And you can also see a little bit of when SE or when LSU's defense, um, which was number one in the country ended up being like the fourth best in the sec, which again is still really good. Sign me up for a Florida was able to get back to fourth best in the sec. And I'm not saying that's exclusively because they stopped playing Alex fudge. I think it's a lot of, you know, teams started to figure out that triple switching scheme and uh, the novelty that it was kind of wore off. But I think you do see like when LSU was at their best, It was like, oh, their starters were just like dogging teams defensively. And then here comes Alex Fudge, the six foot eight athletic guy off the bench to stay. And especially for that LSU team, it wasn't particularly long. So, um, again, we never saw the shot making that I thought we saw in high school. And that's something that, you know, when we were talking about him as a recruit on this podcast, it was like, this could be our NBA, you know, shot maker um, at six foot eight. I don't think we really saw that, but maybe that's still there. But if nothing else, just big time athleticism, big time defense.
1: Yeah, well, what, what he is to me uh, so far, what I've seen is is a 6'8 uh, Matisse Tybel type guy with almost a defensive savant on some of the clips that I've seen and being able to suss out plays, guys at the basket, him coming out of nowhere to, to block shots, staying in front of guards, actual point guards trying to make moves one-on-one, uh, getting in front of them, blocking shots. And it's interesting. I don't know if people notice if they've been following my transfer portal long thread, which is... Uh, You know, Phantom Thread now, it's ridiculous. But I started off, I was doing the rankings from Evan Maya, who's a, you know, brilliant basketball mind. I I like doing it because all the rankings looked really pretty for all the guys we were getting. They were like, oh, 25, 32, 40, it's like really high numbers. But I kind of quietly took them off because Alex Fudge's ranking by Evan Maya was 161. And I was like, oh, that doesn't look quite as pretty. My list is getting long, what's going on? I looked at the numbers more closely. The reason why he's so quote unquote low is because his offensive rating, the way that Evan analytically looks at things, is not as high, it's, it's, it's very low. And that's because he wasn't used a certain way. He was just, he was mostly a defensive guy. However, defensively, he's the 10th ranked transfer in terms of defensive impact, 10th nationally of all the recruits in there. And if you look at the LSU players, there are one, two, three, four, five, and Alex Fudge, the sixth. Out of the top ten defensive impact players, <laughs> in, the, the, in the in the transfer portal because of what they were doing defensively. So, I think he's a guy who you can put it that four position, three position. He can cover what, whatever he needs to, but you can have him on the floor with other guys because of what he can be able to do defensively, and allow you to do once again so many things that. Todd Golden really wants to do in terms of shutting guys down, getting out on the break and and that kind of stuff. So anyway, just an interesting little tidbit thing where you you see that news that defensively, he's one of the the most impactful players in the country, even with those small minutes. And offensively, if he's out in transition, if he's in a certain system, you know, I'm sure the offense is going to come. you saw him hit some shots here and there. But if he's just finishing, (laughs) I mean, that's going to be some very efficient offense right there, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, he's a strong-ass scorer, or was, at, at Riverside, man. I mean, he could he could put the ball in the bucket. Um, grew up a Gator fan, somehow ended up in Baton Rouge shortly after his commitment. Hmm. Um, you know, there were the odd statements about how Baton Rouge always felt like home and stuff. And, yeah, you know, that was kind of unique. Um, so certainly it would be nice to have him back. At a place where he could make a strong ass impact. Uh, elsewhere on the portal list in the front court, Malik. I think that's where people want to know um, who else is Florida looking at because we're going to finish this podcast with point guards because I promised people that we would. Um, so, what else is is cooking on the front court um, side of things?
1: Well, you mean front court? You mean like point guard
0: wise, or no, no, no. I mean, I mean front court like. And like okay, so we've got we know that Alex Fudge could commit. Mm-hmm. Assume that he goes through the due diligence and stuff, Um, but if that doesn't happen, is Florida looking at other pieces to help bolster things around right, Colin right. Castleton, C.J. Phil?
1: Well, they they do they have a couple centers that they've been looking at. I suspect those guys would drop off a little bit now that Colin Castleton is said he's coming back. There is one guy who does have a center. There are. T- his top seven: Warren Washington from Nevada. I wonder if there's a way they can still sneak him in. I don't know. But the ones that I'm kind of counting, looking at, are more with Noah Carter, gentleman out of Northern Iowa, who to me fits everything. I mean, again, I'm not as as versed as Eric is, but fits so much of what I think a guy like Kevin Hovde would want to be able to do offensively. He's a six-six guy, 230 pounds. Has some post up skills, seems like, but he scores in a lot of different ways. Not a great shooter, but a guy who can handle, pass, screen, all these different things. So imagining him making those 45 degree cuts or coming up to do a screen and then attacking a switch or just finishing, whether he's off the bench or whether if he's next to a guy like Alex Fudge, he could play the three. If he's next to a wing like Will Richard, he could play the four. In some lineups, if Alex Fudge is out there as a free safety, you a guy at 230 at 6'6 could play the small ball five. I know that, you know, in Florida, that's kind of a, a bad word with how small ball fives have worked, you know, <laughs> under under um, Coach White and everything like that. But modern basketball, people do give up a little bit for those small ball guys to be able to switch, be able to have the offensive, you know, uh things on all. Um, the other guy that they've been looking at that Neil kind of turned me on to is is Kario Akendo um kind of has the body of a really thickly built shooting guard but is a guy who really puts such gravity and uh, focus on the rim that you wonder could he play down to the three even down to the four I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if I see it I, I think it might be a bit of a log jam if you're having a guy like if you if you have Alex Fudge I'm not sure if Kario Akendo as well doesn't give you a kind of a glut at that two three position and all, but obviously talent sometimes wins out. He still you know has some interest in, in in the forwarder. There's not an official visit on the books yet, but he's one of those guys that I think is out there. I I think it's kind of him or Alex Fudge in, in my mind, but we'll see how that plays out. But those are the kind of bigger guys, Fudge. But Noah Carter seems like like a Ty Golden, Adden Hovey guy. I mean, does, does that seem like that to you, Eric, or am I just projecting?
2: Well, I mean, stylistically, like if you were to say what team played closest to Richmond, like Northern Iowa would be probably the next team that I would like throw in there as the the Princeton five out stuff. Um, and I love that you also pointed out a 45 cut. I think that might be my next like attacking closeouts in the, the golden era with Hub does like, that is, is 45 cuts so people can can look forward to a talking about that next year and in, in their five out and their princeton but uh yeah so so stylistically like just for sure because it's it's the style of basketball they play offensively the the only thing that to me is a concern is like yeah like noah carter played almost all of his minutes at at center i don't think he's super mobile so i mean you've got like a 6'6 230 pound guy who's pretty much a true center um he was pretty productive for two seconds But when you look at like his style of play, it was a whole lot of offensive rebounds, which I'm just not sure are going to be there for him at six foot six at at the SEC. And then it was a whole lot of of them hitting him on the short roll and and him attacking, which is like a, a skill I really like, but him, him attacking in the short roll and then like taking a couple of dribbles and like bully balling and then, and then, you know, finishing with layups, like. It's just like, like for him, it's just the style of play. I've just got to, I've got to squint a little bit. Like, yes, it would be great to have him as a passer out, out of, out of the the offense. But outside of that, I, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a of a tough sell for me. So, if Florida were to get him, I would talk myself into, okay, here's a guy who was productive. He played in an offense that was beautiful. Um, his defensive rebounding numbers were good on a team that was outstanding defensive rebounding the ball. But then there's also just part of me that's like watches all his possessions offensively and it's like you know are you gonna get that you know pick and roll and seal and and finish at the sec at six for six no i don't think so are you gonna get those offensive rebound putbacks in the sec probably probably not so i I think you'd be a really interesting like role player interesting bench piece for the gators it would be someone i would not want to have a lot of you know eggs in the basket necessarily and then it's like well what kind of a sell is that to carter probably not the best sell so um yeah, I would say, I, and I let me be clear here. I absolutely love watching Carter play, and I love watching Northern Iowa play. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. But and I love watching him play basketball, but maybe not at the University of Florida. But uh, we will, we will see. Maybe the evaluation from, um, from Golden and his staff is different.
0: That's kind of where I'm at on Kario Akendo. By the way, like I'm, I love, I love Kario Akendo as a basketball player. Um, I think he's explosive. I think he's fun. I think he's a guy who can rile up an arena with a, with a monster gunk in transition. I'm just not sure that, um, he's going to necessarily fit what Florida needs, uh, completely from this roster construction idea that we're talking about. Like if it's a, if it is an either or, and I think Malik might be right about that. Like if it's an Alex Fudge or a Cario Kendo, I would rather have Alex Fudge, um, I know I've stayed Niles lane for a couple of years so take what I have to say on that as a, with a grain of salt, I guess. But, um, you know, Lane was a top 20 points per possession defender in the country, uh, per hoops lens. Um, you know, cardio Kendo was outside the top 100. So you know that one of them is a better defender lane is a little bigger, um, believe it or not. Uh, and you know, uh, if Lane shot the volume of three point attempts that Cario Kendo shot for a terrible Georgia team, would Lane make 27%? Maybe. Um, so I don't know how different those two players necessarily are. If you like really start thinking about it from a basketball standpoint, with the exception of the fact that Kario is probably better at handling the basketball right now. Um, that's totally fair to say. Uh, and, you know, we haven't seen Lane, rebound consistently because the prior staff didn't play him for 13 games. So we don't know if he's a guy that can have the types of games that he had late in SEC play where he gets six, seven rebounds because he's physical and aggressive down there. Um, So I think you don't want to, to Malik's point earlier, which is a great one. There is some sensitivity with these portal issues, probably why Golden's meeting with so many parents. In addition to that, Hey, I've got to put together a roster. Niles, let's not freak out when I bring in the first wing, right? Um, you're a big part of what I want to do because we care about analytics. And if there's a staff in the SEC that knows you're a top 20 defender in the country, points per possession wise, it's us. Don't worry, buddy. Uh, you you bring in Kario Akendo, maybe he's a little worried and maybe rightly so.
1: Yeah. Well, and I also think, I think it's more likely that a player – like Noah Carter from North, Northern Iowa, who maybe wants to show himself from the next stage, but says that Florida was his dream school. Um, actually, locked in a visit despite knowing other guys are being recruited. Visited Missouri, but then immediately retweets some things from Florida, that kind of thing. So to me, you know, also follows Noah. I mean, um, also follows Terry Roberts on Instagram, that kind of stuff. Those connections type of thing. So maybe he's, he, he seems willing to be slow played, which is what I'm seeing. So I mean, he's more willing to possibly take a role than a guy like Karyo Okendo, who is 22 years old, will be 23 in January, was the leading scorer at an SE SC school dunking on national TV against Auburn to say to him, hey, come in, play a role. Uh, we'll see how it goes when you have possibly Georgia, Oregon, I'm not sure what schools he was referring to in his little cryptic emoji tweet, but the schools he's going to, I mean, he's thinking of playing big minutes, starting big time, not necessarily the type of role that may be available if he's a 6'4 player at Florida. So that's something that to keep in mind for that in my mind.
2: Yeah, it's it's that that's fair for sure. I mean, what the the buy into different roles is is pretty big because bringing in an Oquindo, there's a pretty big opportunity cost there when you look at some of the other some of the other wings. But like Oquendo is honestly like bordering to me on good enough that if he's interested, you take it and you feature him. Like with all due respect to Colin Castleton, who we all love, would it shot like let's let's say that Oquindo ends up on you know insert whatever SEC, let's say Missouri. Would you be shocked at all if Aquindo a better SEC player than, than, Colin Castleton next year? I, I wouldn't be, I'm not saying, I, I think that's the case, but it wouldn't be shocking to me. Maybe you guys disagree, but like, if you're like, okay, like, yo, we've got Colin Castleton, let's, let's build around him. Let's feature him, which I think Florida should be doing right now. Well, it's like, Oh, but there's like a similar, similarly productive player, but he's on the wing and he can get big buckets in the clutch in a way that, you know, front court players can't like, I, I can certainly see why, why Florida would be, would be thinking about bringing him in. And then like you said, Neil, just like, Hey, you know, to the other guys. And, and then you say like, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, Will Richard played most of his minutes at power forward and set a lot of screens and, and offensive rebound last year. Um, Kowasi and, and Niles, it's like, okay, between the two and three positions, there's 80 minutes available. Here's three guys that we think you guys can each get, you know, 27 or however that math works, 26 and change. So like, but, but, and again, I would, would those guys be particularly happy? Um, it, they probably wouldn't, I don't know, maybe, maybe they don't love it or whatever, but like Aquindo is honestly like getting to the point where he's, he's, he's good enough that I think that Florida should consider that. And like, so it's still like a little, like, I, like, can I understand why you might want Alex Fudge over uh, Aquindo? Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. I understand kind of like the pieces need to fit. There's also part of me, it's like, okay, here's a guy who's proven that he's, you know one of the best scores in the country with zero spacing around him in an offense that doesn't work like um you know what what are we doing here like you you're talking about like an off like a coaching staff being able to get the most out of offensive talent look at what this guy did under tom crean with with no players around him so so i don't know i i think that's probably not the most (laughs) the most popular opinion but yeah i think florida needs to like think think long and hard here about like hey could we get a guy that's not that's not like hey are you willing to fit around what we want to do. Is this like a guy that you get and you say like, okay, we're, we're working things around you.
1: No, you're right. Eric. I think you definitely um, yeah. had the conversation. You definitely keep things going partly because he's, he was t- uh, junior college teammates with the point guard. That's at the top of your list that you're recruiting right now. So, you know, you want to, even if he's was keeping on the hook, you want to have a good relationship with him, even if it doesn't end up working out with you, because again, you're, Terry Roberts and him, you know, obviously played either either one year or two years together um, at Southwest junior college and everything like that. So I think you want to get relationship, whether it works out or not, if he chooses somewhere else or not. So I think we're going to talk about that soon, but that's, I think you definitely keep recruiting Okendo with, whether he ends
0: up here or not. Yeah, I think they're going to keep recruiting him. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I'd say is how unselfish is he really? Do we, do we know that he's necessarily going to be a guy who won't play a role either? We're not, I don't think we can be sure of that. Cause he just, I can tell you one thing he's gonna, he's a competitive kid as we all saw in the Auburn game. And it couldn't have been too fun for him to be on a six and 28 basketball team. Um, that is not fun. So uh You know, I mean, it's hard to be that bad in the power six. Like, it's really difficult to go six and 28. Um, So, you know, I imagine he wants to win, and and maybe that's a huge selling point for him too. To win, to wit, Florida will need a point guard. I love the kid from Bradley. Um, So I watched some some video of him, and he reminded me a little bit of uh, this old, like, Miami Heat seventh, eighth man, Norris Cole. And so I went and looked at his Ken Palm analytics and <laughs> one of his player comps was Norris Cole from Cleveland state. And I patted myself on the back uh, to the point where I think I got a little sunburn. So um, Norris Cole was a beast in college. Y'all he wasn't like early elite NBA player, although he gets a pension because he stayed in the league for seven years. So good for him. Um, but uh, man, this kid from Bradley
1: can ball, y'all. And one interesting thing, he might play like Norris Cole, but unlike some of the other point guards that um, Florida has been recruiting, who are all some really top, top-notch offensive players. Once again, going back to the defense, Terry Roberts is six foot three with a six foot seven wingspan. He's the only one among these point guards that has that kind of physical frame that you can instantly see in the SEC, see affecting games defensively, whether he's shot his hitting or not. So, also, I think Todd Golden, is targeting these guys where he can build a defense that he could have never had at San Francisco, didn't have the length and athletes. He still had a good defense through, you know, what he was doing schematically and all those kind of things and execution. But to have that physically too and then put in the offense, you could have something special. It's not a done deal with Terry, Terry Roberts, I don't think. He has other schools that are in, involved, but obviously Florida has to feel good about him. But uh, he's different than the other point guards they're 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 going after. And they're pretty special in terms of size.
2: I think he's just fantastic. He's definitely my favorite player on on Florida's board, and I like too. Like he's so different than any of the point guards that Florida has had. And I don't know, maybe you you got you guys have to go back to your memory banks because like Florida has been so much about the like, you know, it was the smaller speedier, you know, quicker guards. And that's kind of what we saw in the Mike white era. And even going back to, you know, the Billy Donovan era was, yeah, it was like, you know, smaller, quicker, defensive minded point guards. And then it was, you know, like with the brief departure of, of, of Andrew Nemhard, who was of course a little, still not someone who was going to, you know, come turn the corner on a pick and roll and go dunk it with two hands. Like I, I just like, like maybe, maybe part of it too. I'm like, Oh, I, I'm really considering, you know, Quindo more than a lot of other people is because like, if there's one thing I'm really hoping for moving forward is that the Gators have like guards who can attack off the dribble and get in the paint. And like, I, I, I want guards that are getting downhill and getting paint touches. And um to see like Terry Roberts, who is like, so physically imposing, so explosive, like, so like functionally explosive with his first step, like that, that's, that stuff it, it excites me greatly. And uh, um to also see like, he's someone that I like watching him play, like, that explosive first step is what kind of really comes to mind. And him his highlights of finishing above the rim are pretty special, but he's also a guy who was like top 50 in assist rate. So it's not like he's like, I, I'm, I was going to maybe make a disparaging comment to like a John wall or something like that. But you know, there's particular explosive point guards in that mold who are not known as like, you know, someone's like, oh, well, that's not really a point guard. Well, it's like, well, he's going to dunk on your head and then he's going to make like the right read out of a double team next time down the floor. So, like, just like he just really checks all the boxes to me. The one thing that I would say is like, not like like i don't think he's a stellar shooter he shot 34% it's pretty interesting i was looking like his first year of juco he was like a 30% shooter then the next year he was like a 31% shooter but on four attempts a game instead of one and a half and then this year he was like 34% on like four attempts per game which is which is good it's not it's not bad but like uh not a great free throw shooter i think he shot 70% from the free throw line which is you know not quite what you're looking for but like generally speaking, whether it's his measurable style of play, like to me, it's just like he checks a whole lot of boxes. I'm honestly shocked that his offer list isn't like more ridiculous than, than what it is.
1: I'm kind of hoping that the reason why the final offer list for Will Richard and Terry Roberts um, wasn't as spectacular as it could have been, is because of the chilling effect that people know that Florida is in so good with them that they had to move on. That's what I'm hoping is that the list would have been better if people thought they had a chance at them and then we'll say, Oh no, they knew gold was in. Now that's, that's my optimistic, <laughs> you know, after fact narrative, but we'll, we'll see how it
0: plays out. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's the case too, because um, I love his game and I love the fact that like Eric mentioned, I mean, top 50 and assist rate second in his league and assist rate on top of all the other stuff. And by the way, you know, we were talking about Will Richard, but um, I mean, we're with this kid, we're talking about a 35% three point shooter. So now you're getting into percentages where you have the ability to be that point guard that can just pull up and hit the three right every now and then. And the, the way that that opens up games with defenses uh, is not something that Florida has really had since Chris Giozzo. So at that position, and I think that's, uh, obviously, extremely help, helpful, and then and then you're dealing with somebody that uh, has the six seven wingspan and kind of that that big time uh, size at that position too. Now Florida has um, Jalen Llewellyn on their list, or at least did when I last checked uh, our guy uh, Malik's list. So um, the Princetonian, if anybody's going to know about the Princeton offense, I guess. Uh, Llewellyn. I don't think any of that is a coincidence, by the way. I'm pretty sure that, again, we get back to process. And they're kind of like, well, what do we do if we don't get our guy? Well, here's a couple guys that we think would know what to do. Um, and maybe this is kind of the backup plan. Yeah, and, and you saw
1: guys on the board before. Mark Sears, who ended up at Alabama. Uh, you saw Terry Cummings, who ended up at Pittsburgh. He was at a Colgate, another, you know, Ivy League at the back school. Now Jalen Llewellyn visited Clemson this past weekend. I didn't see a commitment or anything like that. Uh, but obviously, it's one of those things that if Terry Roberts drops out, do you kind of redouble with him? I don't know. Oh, and one thing you mentioned, Eric, about I'm, you weren't sure what the last point guard the Gators had that was maybe big with Link, that kind of athleticism. My mind goes to Justin Hamilton who was, uh, I'm not sure when you started really getting into the, the Gators and all, but I would see that kind of 6'2", six, 6'3", six, jump out of the gym, but had a great wingspan. Um, that kind of guy who could, again, affect the game defensively, but also sometimes like, there was a couple offensive rebounds he just put back in, and you're like, wait, that's the point guard? He's, he's pretty
0: big in there type of thing. So um, It probably is. That's probably right. That's probably right because Wilbekin was tough but not long. And he was six two,
1: and he was, you know, he never got above one seventy. God bless. Man, Scotty was six two in heels, bro. <laughs> well, I'm talking about more of the weight. You know, he never got above one sixty five, one seventy. I, I know Preston tried really hard with his uh tactics, um. But uh, <laughs> so it's interesting to, to, to see that. That's, I think t- almost Terry Roberts or bust in some ways. I think they'll put more guys on the board if they don't get him. Um,
2: so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Jalen Llewellyn to me is a 100% take and I would take him in addition to Terry Roberts personally. And I I think too, like just given that, like, there's a lot of minutes kind of available, I would say, um, into ball handling slash point guard roles. I think you could play Terry Roberts at the two very comfortably um, given his kind of length, his his shooting ability. I would love to have lineups with two point guards on the floor, um, which we have not seen in since Casey Hill and Chris Chiosa in some minutes since they um, made the elite eight. So, so, and, and again, for people who don't know, like I, I, I was fortunately knew Jalen Newell from when he was in high school because he's Canadian, um, really good kid. Um, but for those of you who don't know, like he was a top 100 player. So like, he was like, it was big news when he committed to Princeton because he could have gone high major right out of high school. Um, so this, so if you're just kind of like, if there's any part of you who is like, listening and you're like, Oh, I don't know about an Ivy league transfer. Like, how's that going to like, so he was, um, yeah, he was, a, he's a high major player at of high school he chose cause he wanted the education at, at Princeton. Um, he also is kind of like fairly notable cause he started his freshman season um, injured and then he came in and his first game was, uh, was against St. John's he had 17 points. Um, and then he, uh, he, the next game was against Iona. He had 22 points. And then he played Arizona state and like, like, and played well. So like he just kind of came in and, um, Last year, they played against San Francisco. I think he had 26 against San Francisco, so you can see why he's on the mind of Todd Golden. Um, this past year, I know he played Minnesota and 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 played really well against them. He played South Carolina, played really like if you look at him like playing against high major teams, he is like always always delivered. So and, and I think that you know Princeton was a top 100 Ken Palm team for for much of the season. So he's just like unquestionably a high major player. Like like they're like they're just like you don't need to like you don't need to you know convince yourself and squint it's like here's a top 100 player who's always played well against top competition then you factor in that um you, you know you factor in that uh, uh obviously that he plays in the style of basketball that the Gators are probably going to play but um you know again just is he someone who would like to come to Florida and be backup point guard to Terry Roberts you know hopefully and then like maybe it's like okay you've got you know 10 minutes at true backup center and then maybe you get 6 or 7 minutes or, sorry, back a back point guard, and then, like, you know, six or seven minutes playing alongside Terry Roberts. And I don't know if those lineups would even work. We'd get to the calculator. But yeah, to me, Jalen Llewellyn is an underrated player in the portal right now. Um, and uh, he would be a take for me. And I, I, which which also just goes to the larger conversation point that you guys can comment on, maybe starting with Malik. Um, I would be totally fine if the Gators took two point guards in this transfer class. Well, and I think
1: so, too. And I, I, I talked to some some people around the players that think another point guard would be good as well. My thing right now, just like with the NFL, you have different waves of free agency. You have the first wave, which is all the big name, big money guys who are coming in for starter money and starter um, minutes. And then after that's all cleared, then you have the next wave of guys that are still good, but those guys get what's left, what hasn't been taken. And I think these early guys in the transfer portal are the guys who are quote unquote, the bigger names, go trying to go find places where they're going to be starters and have those those big-time action. Now, if it doesn't work out, then I think they might settle for other places and all. So it's going to be interesting. I think Llewellyn at Clemson, if he commits there, I think he has a good chance to maybe start at Clemson. So does he have, want to wait, maybe be a backup here? Might you have to go for the next round of transfer guys once the smoke clears once you get Roberts? I, I don't know. But... Absolutely. I would definitely take any two of these point guards. The list was, was so beautiful to me. There were times when I would have taken two point guards, two shooting guards, two, four, there's not enough spots, but in terms of, of the guys that they identified, they looked really, really good. Dylan Llewellyn, Mark Sears, all those guys being that. So I agree with you. I would definitely take him. I just don't know how feasible it is at this point. He's already taken visits to places where he could possibly start, but I'm, I'm totally with you. Don't get me wrong.
0: Well I think the education piece is still important to him if you look at his list. So that's kind of a a a bit of a hit on Clemson. I think I mean pretty pretty clearly the worst academic institution on his list. Um so we'll see if that you know affects him at all but uh yeah, I mean they were the Ivy League champions, but I'm glad that Eric brought up uh the the point about him being a top 100 recruit cuz like that's you know, because that will be a take if he commits to Florida. And then, you know, we will have the people saying, ah, they're taking Ivy League transfers. Well, he was a top one in recruit. And it was quite surprising when he signed to Princeton. He averaged uh, 16 points um, a game as a as a freshman at Princeton. They like I said, they were Ivy League champions three years ago, four years ago. They would have gone to the NCAA tournament, but the Ivy League decided they needed to have a conference tournament, which isn't even a real conference tournament. Uh, and so they played Yale, who were the runner-up uh, in the Ivy League in the championship game and lost by two points. Um, and so that's why they went to the NIT, where they then got hosed uh, in terms of their draw and had to go play VCU, um, which was – you know, it's hard to play VCU when you're an Ivy league team and Jalen and played really well in that game. So um, just so you know, and that was the nation's, I think they were first or second defensive efficiency by the end of the year. Um, Speaking of teams that only do one thing. Um, So uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I think if you can take two point guards, I know that'll make Malik happy because he was just, blowing up our DMS for a couple of years, wondering if Florida would ever have more than one point guard on their roster. Uh, and certainly it would be good, especially because we all think, I think that Denzel Aberdeen is going to be kind of a development guy. Um, even though I seem more convinced than most people that he's a point guard, I know I get a lot of pushback on, on that, but that's all he played his senior year. I know that some scouts have looked at him as, as sort of a combo guard, but he was a ball dominant guard and lead guard his whole uh, senior season. And that was a really good Dr. Phillips team.
1: Well, and here's my thing is that I know a lot of people are worried about backup center. They're worried about backup point guard. I am. I want to address those positions, but I'm not gonna say that those are positions I'm worried about yet because I, first of all, I think Todd Golden and Kevin you have a plan. But I also think that there are more players with the possibility of being comfortable with the ball in their hands already for next year. You got Will Richard. You get Terry Roberts. I think Denzel Aberdeen's going to comfortable with the ball in his hands. I think second year, Elijah Kennedy, more comfortable. But also Jalen Reed at 6'10", a guy with the ball in his hands. He's no stranger to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's taking that mess coast to coast. I'm not saying he's going to be your lead guard, but, you know, if this guy – Gets the ball in the backcourt, you bring it up, you have no problem with that, that kind of stuff. So you have some guys that can take some pressure with the ball handling. If you expect a guy like Terry Roberts to play 30 minutes a game, you're just talking about 10 minutes a game you need need to survive. And there are options. My problem was back in the day, there weren't even any options. There was a point guard, and there were, you know. Back in the day, one month ago. I mean, (laughs) back in one month ago, but also I'm talking about like, Nimrod Tishman you know what I'm saying back in the (laughs) day give me some Nimrod you know (laughs) so you know times have changed for that like when you have to settle for Denzel Aberdeen who was the starting point guard on the state runner up and would have been state title you know holder you're doing okay a more highly recruited player than Todd Golden ever sniffed in San Francisco so I think he's probably excited about Denzel Aberdeen a lot more than some of the you know, Just look at look at
0: Ab- look at at Aberdeen's offer list if you need to, like, calm down. Just look at his offer list. And when you see Virginia and you see Texas Tech, calm down. Um, Malik, man, so good to have you tonight. Appreciate uh, all your insight. Dude, I love being with you guys. Um, one of these days
1: I'm going to try to get you on something where I can have you guys talk about some of the college players going to the NBA and that kind of stuff is – your passion for watching college basketball and willingness to not only watch midweek sec games, but obviously you watching midweek big 10 games, Missouri Valley conference games, add in other letters. I know if Eric's right now. He's so yeah, definitely. Northern Iowa, I'm, I'm catching all those and stuff. Rest of us, our eyes are bleeding thinking about it. So I want to be able to tap into that knowledge to talk about, you know, stuff guys will be NBA, that kind of stuff. But you guys are a treasure. Don't, Sweat the mean people online. Enjoy yourselves. Basketball (laughs) is alive and well in Gainesville, and you guys are a big part of that. More and more people going to find you guys because good times are coming.
2: That's so kind, Malik. Thank you. It's been uh, it's been great to have you on. And and honestly, like me and Neil were talking uh, after one of the podcasts a couple times ago, we're just like straight up like Malik knows more about what's going on in the portal than, than we do just uh, kind of coming off the uh, coming off the season where we had some, we both had some other stuff going on away from, um, you know, Florida basketball that we were, you know, working on. It was like, Oh man, like Malik just actually knows. So we're like, you, you actually are an incredible resource. And like, I just point people to your, your Twitter. If, uh, if they, you know, tweet at me or DM me asking about anything portal related. And, um, again, I don't think the portal is going to, you know, slow down a whole bunch more. I think it's going to continue to be exciting for for Florida. So I I mean, for everyone listening to this, it should be like every, like, as you're listening, like you should go follow Malik, uh, because he is, he is the best resource there.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Definitely make sure you guys follow Malik Grady, Malik, the 5'10 freak, the splinter of the new york city sewer system that is the transfer portal um yeah and i mean that in the, the best way possible not comparing malik to a sewer um so uh thank you malik we appreciate it everybody go gators keep attacking closeouts